Howdy friends, I'm Molly, your host today, and we want to welcome you to the No Boundaries International podcast. And this podcast is meant to be used as a tool to help equip you in your walk with Jesus in the areas of restoration, training, and outreach. And we're super excited because it's going to be really, really fun because we're going to do this by using a combination of exploring biblical principles, taking a closer look at concepts found in our Journey of Restoration CPR style e-course, and then we're going to have tons and tons of discussions surrounding what it means to really follow Jesus. Jesus in these areas. So in today's episode, we're going to kick things off by sitting down with the two people who started it all at No Boundaries International, and they're going to share with you the whys and the goals behind this podcast. So first up, we have Sandy Orchard, and Sandy is co-founder and vice president of No Boundaries International. She's a registered nurse with over, are you ready for this, y'all? With over 40 years. Without the two years of experience. With over 40. 40. Over 42 years (laughs) of experience in both international and local missions. So then we have our very own Dr. Lori Basie. Hi, guys. Dr. Lori is co-founder and president of NBI. She's a licensed occupational therapist who specializes in complex trauma and the brain. And so the two of them, they have been all over the world sharing their expertise with traumatized populations from human trafficking victims to war-torn areas to natural disasters and seriously everything in between. And how I like to call them is we have the Bible geek and we have the brain geek. (laughs) So, welcome, y'all. Hi. Hello. Are you as excited as I am? We're super off? excited. Very excited. It's going to be a brand, Sorry, new, brand new podcast. Brand new podcast. So, here's the thing is I know that both of you have a huge heart to see people restored and trained and reaching out uh, to people in their circle of influence for the sake of the gospel. And I know that the goal of this podcast in particular is to equip people so that they can walk out their lives in the truth of who they were created to be in Christ. But what I think the real question here that everyone wants to know is how did you get here? How did you get started leading a nonprofit that you have this podcast? Like what started it all? Lori? Yeah. Well, I I think what I want to do is I want to start and work our way uh, from the end and work our way backwards. Sure. And so I think in this season that we're in as a body of Christ is that we are invited into an opportunity to see the greatest restorative evangelistic movement of our lifetime. Mm -hmm. That as we are set free, as a body of Christ is set free, then we will then learn what's needed and necessary to go out and to advance the gospel of the kingdom outside of our four walls. And that's what I affectionately like to refer to as the butts on the field. And so when, when I was growing up, it was always when you're a doctor, not ever if, and I had no idea that I would specialize in trauma and complex trauma, but uh, initially after I got out of school, then I just had, I started to practice. And at some point I served in different rehab settings and then had a private practice. And if everybody, anybody would have ever come to me and said, do you want to have a not-for-profit and specialize in the things that we specialize in? I would have thought they were absolutely crazy. I thought we needed another not-for-profit, like a hole in the head. And I would rather have honestly been Lovely. trapped under a heavy object <laughs> until... 
And so this is where I want to start with this and I want to work our way backward. And I want everybody to imagine where I'm going to start. And so people will come up to me all the time and they say, why in the world do you have something called No Boundaries International? Why are you doing what you do? Why is there all volunteer, an all volunteer organization that's literally having a global impact with hundreds and now thousands and now literally millions. And I say, uh, kind of tongue in cheek, well, I saw Jesus. And then they look at me like I'm crazy. So either I'm crazy or I'm joking, but I'm really serious. Mm -hmm. I really did see Jesus. And so if I backtrack, but actually this backtrack is going to be our end. And if we start with this and then work our way backwards to the present and move our way in that direction, I think it'll alter the course of our life. And I love to tease people and say, I recommend that we see Jesus every day, but I highly recommend that you don't have to be dying to do that. Yeah. And so for me, Sandy and I, I had to get friends who like to do missions when I started doing missions instead of vacations, which eliminates most of the population. People would rather go to the five-star resort than cardboard villages or war-torn areas. And so I met Sandy and she was just oddly strange, strange, (laughs) strange enough to, to be all in. And it was one year we were invited to go to a place where kids had seen their parents brutally murdered. Mm-hmm. And it was a war-torn area and horrible things had happened. And so we went over on this assignment and this assignment was in West Africa. And over in West Africa, my biggest problem, which was just really a little nuisance that I didn't realize would become my biggest problem was the mosquito. Mm-hmm. And so she and I went over, we worked with kids. We're working in the area of complex trauma and medical like we always do. We came back to the United States, mission accomplished, never wanted to go back to that particular place again. And I started to get really, really sick. And so my husband calls Sandy, the nurse, and says, you better take her to the doctor. And I don't know about listeners, your personality, but I'm the extroverted uh, external processor and sometimes the worst nightmare for introverts and internal processors. And so I need about one year I mean, one minute a year alone, and that's it. And so interestingly enough, Sandy is the introvert internal processor. And so Sandy came and got me, took one look at me and said, you look awful, took me to the doctor. The doctor took one look at me and said, you look awful, put me into the hospital. They took one look at me and I said, I am not putting on a hospital gown or eating hospital food. She was slightly oppositional during the whole thing. Just a little. (laughs) And so I called my husband, who I affectionately refer to as Honey Boo Boo, and I said, Honey Boo Boo, I refuse to eat hospital food. It'll only be one night. So could you either bring me a footlong coney or tacos? And so honestly, it was September 17th that I actually saw Jesus. So this would have been September 16th when I was admitted into the hospital. And I don't know what Honey Boo Boo brought, if he brought a hot dog or if he brought tacos, because I was unconscious. I'd had two blood transfusions. They were getting ready to intubate me. And the doctor told my husband not to leave because I would die. I was too far gone. And Sandy said she was crying in the corner. And then, and then I saw Jesus. And I think if nothing else, this is my wife for the podcast that all of us as believers will stand by ourselves without our spouses or anyone else. And we will give an account for our life Mm -hmm. and how we stewarded him 
and what he's said to do. And that's to go into the world and to preach the good news and to lay our hands on the sick and to drive out darkness and to make disciples. And when he looked at me and I looked at him, I can't get past his eyes. His eyes were the most beautiful thing that I'd ever seen. It was like this endless ocean and this bottomless sea. And as I looked into his eyes, it wasn't out of shame or condemnation or guilt. But my paraphrase is that I just wasn't cutting it with what he had created me to do and to be and to give him his, his inheritance through my life. And it was all about me. It was a 90% me show and the 10% him show. And it changed everything. And in my mind, I believe if I had an opportunity that I would either be healed and it was truly a medical miracle or I was done. And so he didn't care that I'd just gotten back from Africa. He didn't care about my degrees or my gated community or ideal husband or ideal car or any of those things. And so when I looked into his eyes, I knew that there had to be more. And I believe that he was saying this. So what is it that's more that would cause me to choose to come back and finish what I've been called to do before I enter into heaven? And you guys, I've had over 17 years of redos. Every day is a redo. Every September 17th, I go back to him and saying, how did I account for every single day over 6,000 days that I've had that I shouldn't have had? Because when I was in his presence, the measurement of success is falling more in love with him. And as we love him with everything, then we're going to love our neighbors as ourselves, which means our family and our community and our team and the people that we're serving. And so am I growing more and more in love with him? But two things that I really felt like he has invited no boundaries into, and that's the body of Christ needs to know that he's going to change the face of a church in the gen in a generation, and he's going to move in us and through us. And so again, I think we're going to see the greatest restorative evangelistic movement that we've ever seen, that he wants to pour out the fullness of his glory into his body. But if we don't heal from the past trauma and sin, I believe we've created brain damage by trauma, unreframed trauma that we've experienced by sin that we've done or sin that's been done to us and then a series of choices. And if we're not transformed by the renewing of our mind and if the church doesn't look like the church, if the church looks like the world, then I think we're in serious trouble. And if he poured out what he has for us, we would blow it and it would destroy us and destroy people around us. And so the church needs to be restored. And then he invited us to go into the places that you wouldn't want to necessarily go into after dark. And he's moving and he is mobilizing an army of former addicts or former people that have been prostituted or trafficked or offenders or people that are riddled with anxiety and depression as he moves in us and then through us, then there's no limits and no lids and no borders and no boundaries with what the spirit of the Lord will do in us and through us. And then we can't help but go out. And so that's where the three things that no boundaries actually does the restoration, training the body of Christ, then to go out and get their butts on the field and to be over the situation instead of under situations. And we need to think about and start with the end in mind. Are we doing things daily today that will impact things billions of years from now for eternity for the sake of the gospel? Or are we self-absorbed and self-consumed in 
putting all of our energy and our efforts into temporal things that will not last for eternity. And that's where I think we need to challenge all of us to start from and then adjust our daily schedules and our thought processes and uh, steward our resources, our time and finances accordingly. Yeah. So what I like about this is that it was out of that encounter that actually had a lasting impact that people can see. You know, like your whole life changed. Yeah. It's not like you, like everything did a whole 180. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's where I think a lot of times in the church, you know, we say that we love Jesus or we're following Jesus Mm -hmm. or we're seeing Jesus. But whenever you really are seeing Jesus, everything everything changes. It doesn't look anything like the world. And if we don't, then I wonder, have we really encountered him? Are we really seeing him? Am I really fueling myself? Because now today... Every decision that I make, every penny that I spend, every movie that I watch, every outreach opportunity that we have, everything that we do is filtered from that in light of seeing him and being so in love and so on fire and so excited about what he's doing to bring his kingdom now, not waiting until I enter into heaven, but now all power and authority has been given to Jesus who sits at the right hand of the father. And he said to us, therefore go and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to follow all of his commands. And then he said he would be with us always. And so if we say we're Christians, but we're not actually having the disciplines to follow Christ, if we're more concerned about the world or ourself, if we're not making eternal differences every day, then I wonder if something has gone terribly wrong. And for me, it had. And for me, thank God I had the opportunity to have a redo, but I think about all of the people who are going to then one day stand before him and find out that they were duped, that the things that they thought mattered really didn't matter. Yeah. And so what what would you say, like, to the average person, you know, if they, you know, they're going to come to the end of their life and they're going to be the one standing in front of mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I, mean, I, I know you've said what you've just said, but that's a reality for all of us. Yeah. And so I love the word shock me now. Don't shock me later. Because when you're shocked later, it's too late. So could we adjust our schedule so that every day we would feel ourselves and stir ourselves up in the Lord? Could we actually adjust the things that we do so that we're living for eternity and not for temporal things? Could we then actually start with the end in mind? And what would he say today if we were in front of him? And what do we need to do? And then I think, and let me just pose this question. Will we, the body of Christ, be responsible for what's happening in our world? Yeah. And so if we live in America and one of the most blessed places on the planet, and you've got people that are dying because of waterborne illnesses, will we be responsible? Or me as a therapist, if I know how people can actually change their brain and change their life, and if I don't freely give that to to the body of Christ who's experienced trauma and sin, will I be held accountable? And so is there... Is there a way that we could evaluate ourselves with the Holy Spirit and not self-preserve or not self-protect or not run and hide like Adam and Eve did in the garden because of shame or condemnation they want to they want to cover but could we boldly go to Jesus and ask him what's hindering the fullness of your love in my life in me and through me and where am I missing it and did it say to go into the world when everything lines up when I have more than enough when it's convenient when it feels good or are there are we actually being disobedient into what he's already invited us into so that shock me now I'd rather be shocked now so I can alter my course 
than shocked at the end. And he'll love us. He loves us because he loves us. So he's never going to love us anymore. It's not if I advance the gospel and we were in front of, uh, we estimate about 30 million people heard our voices last year, but it's not about the numbers. It's not about what we do. He'll love us because he loves us. But then what are we carrying that if we don't do on planet earth, if we don't become part of a team to change the world, then what are we carrying that won't get done? And he yeah. has an inheritance through our lives. And we want to be able to give him his, his full inheritance. We want to be able to give him our lives and say, because I did this now, look at the people who know you or look at the people who have been set free or et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot that's not getting done because the body of Christ isn't stepping up to the plate. And so you weren't really sitting there, like when you're standing in front of Jesus, you're not questioning, your salvation wasn't in question. So what was that, like, I'm just trying to get, was there a word or like, what's that stirring then of just like, you felt like you missed it? Or is there like regret? Like what's the... It's standing in awe and in wonder and seeing things without time. So in in that in that place, there was no time. So my past, my present, my future, it all ran together. And so in standing in awe and looking at the savior of the world, knowing that he has given it all to me and being in this place that I don't even really have language for in ultimate love, knowing that there could have been so much more Mm. that I was duped for something that's, that's less than. And so I guess an idol or idolatry is anything less than, and he's it. And he's enough and it doesn't even matter in that place. You just want to worship him and it's all about him. But there's, there's an agenda and there are things that he wants to do through, through his body, or he would have taken the church up with him when he ascended into heaven. So he's given the baton to us and many men and women have gone before us and done just that. And now we have the baton to then prepare the bride to, for the bride to make herself ready And so that we can bring as much of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven on this side of eternity. And my prayer is that knees will bow and tongues will confess on this side because the, the consequence to be eternally separated from him. Mm. And so there's so much that we can do. And actually it's more natural for us to be connected and alive and on fire for him. This is a natural thing. This is what we were born for. And we've substituted everything else in its place and, and become addicted to the less than. And so it's not shame or condemnation, but it's this holy reverence and fear of the Lord that I can actually participate with the King of the universe. Mm -hmm. And he really cares about what I watch and what I do and what I think about and what I say and where I go or where I don't go. And I think that all of us as believers need to have that kind of a radical encounter on a daily basis. And when I saw him and he spoke to me in my mind's eye, now we have to remember that everything that we experience has to come through our brain. So through my brain, I encountered him, but I can encounter him every single day. And my objective is to encounter him every single day. What would it look like if we were encountering, encountering him throughout the day in every environment that we're going into wonder what he's doing and what he's saying and us being a part of that, it changes Mm -hmm. everything. That's so good. And so then out of that place of wanting to give it all back to him or being stirred by awe and wonder of seeing your literal savior, then out of that, you birth no boundaries. Yeah. And so people said it couldn't be done. 
You can't have an all-volunteer run not-for-profit. And I thought, freely I've been given, and freely I'm going to give. And so it was from that day forward, I never charged again for a therapeutic uh, session that I would do with anybody. Everything that comes into No Boundaries goes right back out to the people that we're serving. And in fact, we all pay to play, so to speak. We raise our own funds or resources to go and to do what we're, we're wanting to do. I thought about just recently, we've got a 263-page manual that goes along with our e-course with the journey of restoration. And I thought, well, it'd be good to, you know, just say they could have that 263-page book for a donation of what, maybe $20, but we can't even do that. We just (laughs) need to give everything that we can away to people because what we carry, you can't even put a price on it. And, And I think about what's the greatest price that anybody could pay, and Jesus paid that for us. And so the value, and what did we do? What did we pay him for that? Nothing. And so we have to then then mobilize the body of Christ, teach everything that we know freely, offer all of the services that we have to those who can take it and run with it and do it in their area and do what they said would be impossible. And that's create an all-volunteer run organization that's going to give sacrificially to advance the gospel of the kingdom. Yeah, and so one of my questions, getting back to like you're standing in front of Jesus. And so, because I know I've heard your testimony many times and I've heard different questions, common questions from people. And um, one of them is like, were you, and I'll just pull out bullet point questions, but like you were by yourself, is that correct? Or was there anybody else that like when you're in the standing there in front of Jesus, it was just you and him? Yes. Okay, because I've heard other stories about how that people, you know, would see lines of other people, but you didn't experience any yeah. of that. And I was just in his presence. And you know what? People ask me, so what did he look like? What Mm -hmm. was he wearing? You know, what I I remember and what I fixated on was his eyes. Mm -hmm. And so think about the most important person in your life and tell me what they were wearing three days ago. Yeah, there's no way. Y'all, I barely know what day it is. And so I'm so overwhelmed. And there are senses. I mean, we have our sight and our smell and our taste and our hearing and physical touch. You're saying when you stood in front of Jesus. But in front of him, you're so overwhelmed. I mean, you there's not even, we can say love, we can say awe, we can say wonder, we can say peace, we can say safety or joy in his presence. But I mean, it's so overwhelming. And quite frankly, you just don't care. And so I'm not storing in my memory what Mm -hmm. he's wearing. I'm looking into his eyes. Mm -hmm. Now, if I picture his eyes in my, in my mind again, I mean, I'll be on the floor. And so I was so sensitive after this, that even in worship, I couldn't, when, when my husband took me home and we were sitting in our driveway at home and the realization that I, you know, I could have died. And I was so sensitive that even I couldn't listen to worship music and, or I'd be on the floor in Mm -hmm. his presence. And I would look over and I would see him. It activated something in my brain, in my mid brain that I've never quit being connected with him since. And in our journey of restoration in the e-course, we talk about connection with God and how you can actually prepare your soil in the middle part of your brain to be that connected with him. And if that's a discipline and if that's a priority, then I can find him in every environment. But it it woke something up in me that is just undescribable. And so it was like every sensation heightened. And I think about 
you know, in trauma and you go into fight, flight or freeze or survival, then you only store certain things. But I was so fixated on his eyes and that there was no time and that in his presence. And then I started seeing what was like a movie. So for days I would wake up dreaming or seeing reels of movies about the body of Christ being restored and trained, deployed and activated. And I'd see uh, people from all over the globe in the worst situations in in natural or man-made disasters with all kinds of issues that were being set free and supernatural things happening. And so for me, that was the the vantage point or what my brain could even interpret in, mm-hmm. I mean, our, and I do understand, I always thought that's kind of weird, but your physical bodies aren't even made to be in his presence. And mm-hmm. so that makes more sense to me now. You know, and, and, and um, I think a lot of times people like culturally speaking, the, sometimes the picture that people just think about God is that he's mean and he's angry and he's, you know, not happy with us and um, the world's going to hell in a handbasket and that sort of thing. But Mm -hmm. so did you sense any of that sort of feeling from him? There is an overwhelming sense of love. And people will say, well, how could a good God then let people who don't follow him through Jesus uh, spend eternity in hell? And so, but how could a good God who gave everything, including his son, where you literally have to step over Jesus not to go and spend eternity with him. I mean, the love and mm-hmm. the, you just don't care about anything else. If you just stay there, that's enough. He's enough. He's worthy to be worshiped. And people would say, well, you're going to, I thought, oh my gosh, really? You're going to spend the rest of our life just gazing upon his beauty. And until I experience that, and I'm type A and I'm hyperactive and I'm an adrenaline junkie. And I thought, you know, how am I going to be that fascinated? But Oh my goodness, we we are. And there's going to be work to do. We're going to partner with him for eternity with things to do and important things. Which is what he was showing you for the the vision you had mentioned a little while ago about seeing things in the future, about people being set free. That's so that means that's what you're referring to that, um, that he desires that of what your calling is, but also its effect on people. And uh-huh. so you des- you know that he desires to see people set free that he desires to see people to know him and so he's given you he was giving you that sort of a vision mm-hmm. for the future to know what your purpose is and to follow him. him. Yeah, we all should be advancing the gospel of the kingdom. So heal the sick, cast out demons, lead people to Christ, baptize, make disciples, and it doesn't matter what you do. I mean, my husband's a dentist, I'm a therapist, you know, it's not for the vocational ministers. The vocational ministers are supposed to be equipping the body of Christ to go and do this. And we should live different. There should be such a radical encounter that we have with him where we don't look like the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. And the biblical standards are what we adhere to, not the cultural norms. And and so in the middle of all that, it's the most beautiful thing. And it's it's the more natural thing. I think about we were eating really healthy and we quit eating ice cream and, and just junk. I love peeps and I love cotton candy and I love ice cream. And so we started to eat healthy and we got off sugar and we were eating these yogurt bars. And after about a month, I'm like, oh my <laughs> gosh, these yogurt bars are delicious. Why would anybody ever eat ice cream until 
I got back on ice cream and had a few peeps. And then I tried one of these yogurt bars and they were disgusting. But the yogurt <laughs> yeah. bars were so good for yeah. us. And so <laughs> anything less than him is a counterfeit and it's a substitution. But we train our body and we train our minds for that to be okay. And, uh, you know, everybody knows that that comment about sin, that it'll, it'll take you further than you ever wanted to go and keep you longer than you wanted to stay and cost you more than you wanted to pay. And so the counterfeits and... And the spiritual warfare and the opposition is real, but he's so much better. And it's really just simple. And what the Bible says and what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to follow him and what we're allowed to think about. And when we're under stress, what's allowed to come out. And if not, then we've got brain damage and we need to go back to him and we need to fix that and be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then out of that, how could we not go out and advance the gospel of the kingdom and look into the eyes of the homeless or the prostituted or our neighbor or whoever it is and love and not make it about us? It just, at some point, us just gets nauseating mm-hmm. and we're self-absorbed and self-consumed and full of pride or fear or self-protection or rejection or somebody done did me wrong. And I mean, at, at what point? And we're, you can never get enough. You can never fulfill that bottomless pit unless he fulfills us. Yeah. So an encounter with him on a continuous basis daily We'll take care of all of that. And for me, sadly enough, I had to be dying to see that. Mm -hmm. That's so good. And so, Sandy, I think now (laughs) we'd also like to hear from you. Like, how did you get here? What's your backstory? What happened? Yeah, you know, I I really kind of felt I I just kind of grew up as an awkward little kid, you know, that that uh, loved yeah, that's me, the introvert. FLK, up. funny looking kid. Were you funny looking? And well, I don't know. I was okay. a little awkward though. Okay. But I did like to read and I used to read a lot of National Geographic and learn, just had a hunger and a desire to know people, different cultures. What, what did they believe? What did they experience? And, and then when I was 17, I went on a mission trip with my church and it was just a really cool, I mean, a low key sort of mission trip. We didn't do any crazy things, but we just went around and visited different missionaries and what did they do? And I, I met a woman, uh, in Latin America, American woman, and she, uh, was not a medical person, but she went to this country and, um, was involved like a, a smaller little village and the infant death rate was just astronomically high. I think it was something like 50%. So, wow. um, for every, uh, you know, every other child that was born would die just from simple things. And that really bothered her. And so she really felt led by the Lord to try to do something to help people on a physical level, which would also lead them to open the door for her to explain them about Jesus and the gospel. And so she went back to the U.S. and just did a lot of um, of simple, learned simple medical techniques, prenatal care, uh, very simple things, and then went back to that area and just radically decreased the percentage of babies that was dying. And it really spoke to me that like, oh my gosh, one person can make a huge difference. Not only physically that she was helping them on, like with their lives, with their the physical aspect of their lives, but she's also presenting Jesus to them and helping them on an, an eternal perspective. And so that really drove me to um, go to nursing school, get my degree, do the nursing thing. But I did lots of, lots of short-term trips. And then I was in uh, uh, long-term missions like for three years. And so 
Um, and I, so that just seemed kind of normal to me. And mm-hmm. plus the fact that my parents raised me to believe I could do, you know, whatever I thought I was capable of doing. So when I met, um, Lori, uh, she was probably a little more crazy than I was, but I mean, we <laughs> had fun together and, and, you know, she would propose to, Hey, let's do these different mission trips and, you know, go to the war torn areas and the difficult areas. And I was like, Oh yeah, that sounds good. So we kind of did it together, but really it was a huge learning curve. Um, especially after she had this encounter with Jesus, a huge learning curve to know how far could we push the envelope? How far, you know, could we push that line to see and uh, experience what God is going to do for people? And there's, you know, it really stretched our faith in a good way. Mm-hmm. And knowing that she had seen Jesus like that, I mean, like, that's that's a lot of um, motivation to try harder and a lot of motivation to to see what Jesus can do uh, in a, a profound way here in our culture, here in other nations um, that maybe maybe people hadn't seen that before. But mm-hmm. so because of that, I mean, yeah, we've been to a lot of countries just in the effort to tell people about Jesus. So how long have you guys worked together? Oh my gosh, it's been at least 25 years. And it was really yeah, interesting probably. when I met Sandy, I was really intrigued. <laughs> and so I was different. Than uh-huh. you. And I was also on my yep. best behavior. And so obviously, <laughs> as a therapist, she hated all of this. But if I would just uh, kind of be the undercover sister and pull out all the personality profiles and the assessments and the tests and all that, which she initially just refused to take, but ultimately, we are polar opposites. So yeah. if I'm like a plus 10 on one thing, she's like a minus 10 on the same thing and vice versa. And so it was the most interesting dynamics. And so which I do want to just state this, I heard recently that a sign of spiritual immaturity is that we can't get along with people. Yeah. And right now the body of Christ is we need each other. We work mm-hmm. with organized crime and uh, well, not, on the other not side. working with them or yeah. bringing them to Christ. So it, yeah, <laughs> yeah good, good point. Thank you. And so, but, but organized crime actually works better together than the body of Christ does. And if we could agree to disagree and just, just figure out how to get along and let Jesus be the main thing, then there it's, we need people that are so different than we are. And we need to partner with other organizations in the body of Christ across denominational lines or, or something, you know, that we would think is really major that's really not in front of Jesus. And so it was just, it's been really a fascinating experience. And so I call it trauma bonding that she learned to love me when she watched me almost die. And, uh, in the middle of all that, you start to think about, so what does covenant commitment look like? And can we really win the world cup or the national championship and not have a team that knows us intimately and that we know how to work with and that we could with us entrust our lives to Mm -hmm. as we go in and out of and do what the world would deem impossible. So then how long has no boundaries been incorporated? 17 yeah since 2006 and so i think in 2023 that'll be our 18th year wow so that's so through that i mean you've had to learn how to work with different people well first of all learn how to work with each other without killing each other but as i mean and and it's not like we want to just survive and barely get through things together i mean we really want to thrive in our relationships because I mean, not only our relationship with each other but with even the team around us because we really believe that it's going to take uh, you know, the church being united with yeah. each other, like whether it's individually or whether it's corporately 
to bring the kingdom of God here on earth. There's there's just no way that you can have the 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 single people like the single minister or the single teacher or whatever do it all. There's no way. There's just yeah. so much that that you know. There's however many millions of people here in the U.S. and then you go overseas. I mean the the numbers climb and mm-hmm. the number of people that need Jesus. And so there's no way that a single ministry or a single person can do it. So you've got to learn how to get along with people, how to love them, and you can only get along with people in a right way if you love them like Jesus loves, really. That's good. And so um, we've had to learn that, and primarily so that we can be Jesus to others and we can bring the gospel to these places and people can be set free and people can really know the God who heals people, Mm -hmm. the God who encounters them in the heart level and changes them from the inside out. But if if we can't even get along, I got a bunch of bickering and offense or pride or arrogance or what it's it stops it it stops that process i love what john maxwell says he said that everybody that he encounters he thinks to himself how could i add value to them and so how can we serve others how can we serve other not-for-profits or how can we serve the church and if god is a creator of the universe and has everything and if jesus is all of our saviors and these are my brothers and sisters and we're not in competition and i'm really kind of relieved with other ministries and and people that we partner with because if they do what they're called to do then i can pour everything that i have into them and be a small part of that because i don't have time to do what they're doing and then if they happen to get resources then i can celebrate with them because Mm -hmm. god's not on a budget Mm -hmm. and so we've got to do so much better as a body of christ in that as a church so did you guys see yourselves like having a team and having it this well i didn't as big as it's been maybe you did no initially we were just going to mobilize people once or twice and they would go with us initially when we started in 2006 it was just the two of you yeah, yeah it was just us two and a few others and then we would go in and out of different countries so we'd be in and out of four or five countries a year and then we'd be kind of bored when we're back in the oklahoma city metro area or stateside mm-hmm. and then all of these people started coming and so they wanted to be trained or they did they wanted to do more than just go on trips. We had no idea that we would have a local base in our home city, but then also we would be a model for different bases around the United States or other ministries would utilize some of the things that we were utilizing to set up what they were going to do in their own town. Yeah, that's good. And that's what I can say from someone who who's come into this organization that after you kind of go through the process and you've done all this restoration and you've like had all this training, then naturally, like after you are led in those kinds of encounters, you naturally want to start giving back. Mm -hmm. And so it's not shocking to me at all that then you would end up with a team or that you'd end up with different locations and different bases around the globe that want to do the very things that y'all carry. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's wild. Yeah. And if you really, and, and even for the listeners, I just challenge you, are you waking up every day and living your best life? And are you encountering Jesus in every environment that you go into? And are you doing something bigger than yourself and helping people? I think about as we've seen the blind eye open, we were just on a trip several months ago and a blind eye opened. I mean, can you imagine to be the hands and feet of Christ? And, you know, you can think about and people will say, well, you know, Lori, that's just a weird story about you seeing Jesus Mm -hmm. or blind eyes opening or whatever. What if it's true? Yeah. What if it's true? And what I tell people is then just hang out with us. Mm -hmm. I remember we were working with some sex slaves and they didn't believe in Christ and, and they weren't buying into it and they've been horribly abused and they were Muslim. And I just said, all right, then just hang out with us. Just give us 
two weeks or a month and just see what you see because it doesn't matter what I say. You need to press in and you need to find out the truth, which is why your story, Molly Buck, is so good about. So Jesus, if you're real, then you're going to have to radically reveal yourself to me as your picketing, self-proclaimed atheist (laughs) self. And then the cool thing that we get to see is that Jesus does. He has never failed us yet with hundreds and thousands and then millions and even people that if he didn't show up, we're in trouble with drug cartel or some people that are capable of some unimaginable things, then we're, it's not going to end well and we might as well go home. But 18 years later, he's still showing up and showing off and revealing himself. Yeah. So I think, so for then, for the purposes for this podcast in particular, I mean, our heart is to really see people walk in the fullness of their restoration and to be trained and equipped so that they can go out and do whatever they're called to do, Mm -hmm. which leads us right into the outreach part that once they take what they've known and once they take what they've been freely given, Mm -hmm. that they would advance the gospel in whatever area they're in. Mm -hmm. So not necessarily that everyone needs to come to No Boundaries and do what No Boundaries is doing, Mm -hmm. but wherever they're at and wherever God's placed them, that they would advance the kingdom in that way. And that's kind of what y'all did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, that our heart, like, whether it's this podcast or, and we have had a, a, a prior podcast called Relief from Darkness, or the videos that we put out, or the e-course that we, we currently have online, the Journey Restoration CPR style, um, all of those things, we really want, I mean, the whole point of it is not just to, to toot the horn of no boundaries. The whole point of it is to lead people to encounter with Christ. Yeah. They're on their heart level encounter with Christ and to go deeper with him because it really is, there's so much more. And, and so, you know, Lori's had this experience with Jesus and I, you know, I knew Lori before the encounter and after, and like, she's a radically different person yeah. because of that encounter. But it, it's not like she's the special one or she's the, the, the only one, you know, that would be able to handle that. I mean, we each of us needs to have our own encounter with Christ and be radically changed from the inside out. And that's what we're hoping, like through this podcast, um, is just to, to kind of point people uh, toward Christ and what he wants to do inside of them, whether it's healing or whether it's more direction or just going deeper with him. And that's, that's how our, our heart and our uh, what we envision with this podcast. Yeah. And they can all three be going on simultaneously. So you don't wait until you're fixed or restored to then That's be true. trained and go do outreach. You do it all. It's all kind of one in the same. And so every day you're learning and growing. And I love, I heard this phrase not too long ago that if you're bored and you're a Christian, then it's your own fault. I mean, what we do on a daily basis, whether it's in Africa or Israel or Walmart or the grocery store is that we're in a missions Disneyland and that this world is desperate for Christ and we are the solution and we've been left here holding the baton, so to speak, to advance the gospel of the kingdom. And he said he would be with us always. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I want to talk about just for briefly is to talk about some of the things that we do in restoration, some of the things we do in training and some of the things we do in outreach. So let's start with restoration. And how would you guys define restoration then? I would say that anything that's hindering the fullness of his love in our life needs to be restored and that we're born into a sinful world and that we've all committed sins, that sin has been done to us. And a lot of us have experienced trauma 
And then because of that and how our brain is organized, that we've then made a series of choices and have subconscious behaviors, and we really need to be restored. Mm -hmm. And there's a really simple biblical standard, and I think that all of us fall short. And so we need to be in the process of restoration. Mm -hmm. And I feel like on, I mean, restoration is super, super close to my heart. Mm -hmm. And I think if I could define it in any kind of way, I would say is getting a different perspective. Yeah, that's good. Like that's really a, good. F- across the board, whether it's hurts that have happened to you or the sin that you've done mm-hmm. or things, whatever the thing is, that if you can shift whatever your focus is to a heavenly perspective or to shift it to what is Jesus saying in whatever the moment is, that that's what that's restoration mm-hmm. because it's a whole new thing. It's not even that it just takes the old and you know fixes it up it's mm-hmm. a whole new thing it takes whatever the death is and gets mm-hmm. gets it reconciled under the blood of christ and then you have the newness of life and your original design waiting for you it's good and would you say that's is that like the one-time event where god waves the magic wand over no. you and bam it's done no that was my <laughs> that used to be my thought right <laughs> or hope i mean i've been here for five years uh-huh and I know that y'all know when I first got here, I was, I mean, if you would have said the word restoration or it's a process or whatever, I would like come out of my skin because I knew that I just wanted to like get healed, check the box, be done and, be, and move and go on, on your merry life. way. Yeah. Uh-huh. But the, the issue with that is that it doesn't require relationship. Mm-hmm. And because God is so relational and if you look at the life of Jesus, he walked in relationship to the father. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so if restoration was this one and done thing, we wouldn't we wouldn't keep needing him mm-hmm. and we wouldn't keep relying oh, on him. Oh, that's good. Yeah. But we have to be being continually restored in every area because we're not perfect. Yeah. Because we're human. But that's what he wants from us is to keep having that conversation, to keep asking for his perspective, uh-huh. to keep giving our sin so that he can give us his a mm-hmm. new heart and a new right spirit. And, and a new way of looking at it. And a it. new way of looking at it. So restoration is not a destination. It's a person. It's a person. And the person also, is Jesus. But don't you also think that um, that process that you just described really well, um, being a process and a relationship like a journey, isn't that like the mercy of God and the kindness yes. of God? Because like if he, if you came to him knowing that you had all these things wrong, it's what if he came to you and he wrote out this big list? Okay, here's the 300 things you have wrong with you, mm-hmm. Molly, and uh, you need to really work on these. Okay, yeah. can you get these things fixed right away? You know, like it's it feels overwhelming and undoable, and and then sometimes there's shame and condemnation and um, and just some yuckiness that surrounds all of that all at once. Mm-hmm. But he's just that he's so kind that he may show you just the one here thing here and or later the other thing here, you know. And that's what you're describing is it's a journey thing. Yeah. And here's what I can tell you is that every single time without fail, an encounter with him has brought freedom in whatever the area is and whatever he was bringing up, it has always brought freedom. And I think a lot of times people get into this place of like, oh no, I'm so messed up. I'm so messed up that how can it, how, how is it going to work? Or I'm scared to go there. But I'm telling you, restoration is key to everything, everything and everything. Um, what it does is it restores your identity and it restores the truth about who you are in Christ. And mm-hmm. as you get your identity restored and the truth of who you're created to be in Christ, 
everything else mm-hmm. will come out of that place. And, and then you know your purpose. And then you know your purpose. Because Which is the number one question Christians seem know. to have, you know. But when, Lori, when you're standing in front of Jesus, everything's restored. You saw everything. Mm-hmm. Your past, present, and future all ran together and not in condemnation and not in shame. But man, like this is actually what I'm created to do. I have all these giftings and everything that I want to offer back to him. You knew who you were. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you started no boundaries and everything changed about how you behaved, what you thought about and who you're spending your time with and what you wanted to do mm-hmm. that came out of an overflow of how the living Christ just restored your identity in a single moment. Mm-hmm. Like that's restoration. Yeah. And so I just want to make mention that we do have a journey of restoration, CPR edition e-course. And then we'll put the link on the show notes. Yes. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So This podcast, one of the things that we want to do is go deeper into the areas of restoration. And so then another thing that we want to do is training. So talk a little bit about training. We have learned so much about what not to do. (laughs) Through trial and error. You know, 10,000 ways not to. And so (laughs) whether it's motel outreach or reaching out to the homeless or to the people that are being trafficked or what's an opening line for somebody that you feel like God wants to minister to at Walmart. And so people need to be trained. Mm -hmm. And in that training, I think it's also really important for us to understand the brain and to be trauma informed. Yeah. And so we've got countless hours that that infiltrate into and out of the material that we offer and the training that we do and policies and procedures and the things that we've learned to do and what's worked and what not to do so that people can be trained and go out. And so I remember loading up a group of people in a van one time and we were going to go into a really sketchy apartment complex. And we got there and I asked everybody how they felt and their lids had flipped. They were in fight, flight, or freeze. Meaning and so they were just yeah, all kinds of anxious. And anxiety. And so then pulling everybody back in close and giving us the tools and the skills that we need uh, without, you know, and oh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it without being the door knockers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, really. And so how do you meet the needs of people and what works in our society in Oklahoma or in America yeah. is totally different that works in Sierra Leone, yeah. West Africa. Mm-hmm. And so how, and we've done it on a global scale. So what works in restricted countries and unrestricted countries and in, uh, you know, suburbia, the United States. Mm-hmm. And so we've got lots and lots of experience and training information. Okay, cool. So then this podcast will look a little bit more into how we do things and why we do things in the correct way that we've learned through, as again, Sandy, 42 years of experience in the mission field. Wow. (laughs) And then with two people who have led a nonprofit now for almost 20 of those years, like that is insane. And so then Sandy, I also know that your huge heart under training is discipleship. Yeah, that's, I mean, if you don't, you can have all the training in the world, but if you're not doing it, being anchored in Christ and doing it out of love, not that we have to be like the perfect person at the end of the day before we start doing things, but man, if you, if you can just get like deeper and more anchored in Christ and just to see how amazing he is and be in awe of him, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. And it changes the, you know, you should go out into the world because it's your responsibility as a Christian. It's the good thing to do, you know. Or it's, it's, um, everybody should read their Bible every day because that's what Christians do. You know, it goes from the responsibility and have to sort of aspect to, it changes your heart to, man, I want to, Mm -hmm. because I want to go deeper with Christ and I want to glorify him and I want others to know. 
And so your heart motivation can really change in that discipleship process. So we'll be covering sort of some of those sort of things too. Yeah. Awesome. And that leads us to our very last one, which is outreach, which I think we've talked a lot about actually Yes. that out of an overflow of the restoration and an overflow of being trained and how could we not go out as everything that we've freely been given? How could we not share that with the world? Yeah. And that's exactly, you know, if you read the new Testament, that's exactly what Jesus did, that he was selfless Mm -hmm. and he was others centered. And so he didn't, he really didn't have anything to gain from doing that constant giving of himself, but he did because he loved people. He and then I think so about well. going out in the Middle East or with the drug cartel or with child soldiers or with sex slaves or trafficking victims. And really, if he doesn't show up, then we're in trouble, yeah. but he keeps showing up. That's why and he can't, how it can't could be about not? us, you know? Yeah. And then when he does show up, then what I do is I have a whole nother perspective and I don't have any point of reference to a lot of the people that we're ministering to, except that we're all wretched sinners, except except for, <laughs> except for say by him, mm-hmm. but I have nothing in common except maybe the 1%. And if I can find that thing in common with the people that we're ministering to and watch the living Christ show up in a way that I can't even imagine, or I couldn't have even planned or strategic planned or conjured up, then I see a whole nother facet of Jesus Mm -hmm. as he meets the homeless person or as he heals a traumatic memory in somebody that's been trafficked or as the sex slaves have a radical encounter with Jesus through ways that I couldn't even produce or make happen. And so as we go out, I fall more and more in love with him as I see him through different facets, through the lens of the people that we're serving. Yeah. I remember whenever I first got here uh, and I was doing some pretty intense like restoration. It felt like literally all the time. Uh And I remember at some point I was talking to you and I was going round and round in circles with whatever the feeling was. And I remember you looking at me and saying, you need to go on outreach with Michelle. Yes. And that was like, Michelle, our outreach director. Yes, Michelle, our outreach director. And I was like, that has nothing to do with anything that <laughs> uh-huh. with me. Uh-huh. <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything that I just unloaded on you. Uh-huh. And that was the end of the conversation. Yeah. And then I went on outreach with Michelle and I got it. Like I understood something like, oh, because perspective. this isn't just all about me. Yes. Like there are more people in the world than just me. And there's something about whenever you're giving back mm-hmm. that you can't possibly be looking at you. Yes. Like it causes you to have to look at Jesus and to have to look at the person in front of you with empathy. Like yeah. it's a whole different And one of the things that break up that cycle of navel gazing. And so we in sin and trauma are so self-absorbed and the world revolves around us. And in the beginning, it was Molly or Lori or Sandy instead of God. And so one of the things that breaks up that thing about the woe is me and look at me and I'm so... Whatever. Whatever. And then all of our self-protection and all of our fear and all of our shame and all of the things that are manifesting is if we just go find somebody that's worse off than we are. It's a beautiful strategy. Yeah. And they say that like the thing that's going to hinder you from seeing God is yourself, Uh like in your own sin. Uh Like that, that is the thing that John Tyson has a sermon where he says that that's the thing that eclipses the sun. Uh And what you need to do is not just keep looking at that as you need to move over and get a new perspective. That's it. And that's an outreach. That's a great, great way to look at it. Moves you over so you can start looking back at the sun. Uh Uh-huh. It is so good. So as a brilliant trauma therapist, I love to spend about 30 minutes with people. 
and then recommend the e-course or that they go to a brain boot camp or go do outreach and then they get their butts out on the field because we can sit and swirl and look at all day long or we could do the process that's proven that works it's worked with countless amounts of people that if somebody wants to do the hard work they'll do it and then in the meantime we'll quit navel gazing and go out Mm -hmm. because if we want to there's an endless amount of there's an endless amount of death in whatever in us. Do you uh-huh. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it will never end because we're human. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But that's not the point. Yeah. Like the point isn't how bad we are. The point is how good he is uh-huh. and what that's he's exactly done. That's exactly right. Yep. It just requires a different perspective. Uh-huh. I think this podcast is going to be good, you guys. It's, it's going to be, be fun so and we're going to have a really good time doing it. We're going to have, a, you know, some different guests on here. And the thing is... Uh, Molly has already explained we're doing we're going to be talking a lot about restoration process and training and outreach but I think we're just kind of kind of mix things up a little bit so Mm -hmm. it doesn't get too road and and we want to keep people a little bit on the edge of their seats so it'll be fun and I think that more than anything what we want to do is compel people to fall more in love with Jesus and be more desperate for him so I would just recommend even everybody listening to this today is for you to lay your hands on your own self on your head and say Jesus you light it up buttercup you illuminate me for the advancement of the gospel of the kingdom that you heal anything that's hindering the fullness of your love in your life and don't let me be dull today is not the day and age even in the United States for dull Christians Mm -hmm. there are incredible things and he is moving in a radical way on a global scale and we don't want to be asleep at the wheel mm-hmm. yeah that's so good sandy what about you any final thoughts no i think that's it this has been some great conversation <laughs> that's all she has I to say like... about that molly <laughs> <laughs> all right you guys so here's what i'm hearing is that if you're in this place where you just want more you want more of jesus in your life you want to know him more and follow him more and you want to experience him more, that you're done with the head knowledge and just knowing about him, but you want to have real relationship and walk with him and talk with him, which is exactly how you're created in the garden in the first place. That's where it all started. That that's what we're meant for is to commune with our father in heaven and sin separated us. But the blood of Jesus made a way to restore that connection. And because of what God has done that he gave of himself, Jesus was fully God and fully man, meaning God gave himself in service to us so that we could know him again, so that everything could be restored and made right, and that all things are made right under the blood of Christ. And if that's you and you're ready to receive that and know that, then that's what this podcast is for, to go deeper in those areas. And we do it through restoration training and outreach, but all of this is to lead to an encounter with the living, breathing Christ. So we thank you guys for listening. We're praying for you. We're praying for you. And if you have anything more that you want to check out, you can always visit our website. It's www.nbint.org where we'll have updates and you can also find our e-courses there. So thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.